You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Alejandro Zuniga here with me. We are live from a hotel in Indianapolis across the street from Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Uh, We are obviously down here covering the Michigan men's basketball team in the NCAA tournament. And we are here for a couple more days because they came back from a 15-point deficit to beat Colorado State, the sixth seed, 75-63. to So this this episode, it's going to be all basketball. And we'll kind of parse through some of the key takeaways. I already wrote a story. I kind of went in depth on my five take five five takeaways from the game, and and obviously we have tons of coverage over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. But this episode thought it might be a quick you know breeze through to to, to rehash some of the things we saw, and then quick take a little peek at, at Tennessee and and the matchup that is to come on Saturday. And Alejandro, I don't think we can really talk about this game for very long, in my opinion, without talking about Frankie Collins. He's um, First career start, uh, at least in, in college. Devontae Jones was in concussion protocols. He didn't actually make the trip. I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen with Frankie. I, I mean, you know, Michigan players, they were like kind of confident. Oh, he's ready for this. You stay ready so you don't have to get ready, things like that. But I don't think before the game, before the ball was tipped, I don't think even Michigan knew what he was going to show. And, and the first nine minutes, not a ton. I think he had a rebound and maybe one assist. Uh, but then when, when it's 28-13, he, does, he gets an and-one layup, and then on the next possession, he has a steal and a dunk to turn it from a 15-point lead to 10. And, and obviously, Michigan had to do more of the comeback. But to me, that felt like the maybe one of the bigger moments of the entire game. He ended up scoring 12 points in an eight-minute stretch between the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Really helped turn the tide in Michigan's favor. I believe he finished with 14 points, six rebounds. Uh, two assists and a steal, and he was he was a team best plus sixteen in terms of plus minus. That's not the best stat to to uh, signify a player's value, but but it is a stat, and it, it is uh, to me indicative of of the spark he provided and also the poise that he provided. You know, it's it's he's brought a lot of energy off the bench before. I don't think we've seen him in long enough spurts to really get a sense for what kind of uh, game manager he can be. And we don't say that backhandedly. I mean, you know, that is actually something really valuable in a point guard. So your thoughts on, on his performance? And, and obviously, I don't think any of us had any expectations. Uh, but this is a former top 50 recruit who a lot of people expected, not just expected, but still expect to be the point guard of the future for the Wolverines. Next man up, right? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull my best Juwan Howard there. Uh, if you, you know, but by the time it's March, freshmen are no longer freshmen, right? And and Frankie Collins, True. Frankie Collins has had his opportunities throughout the year. Michigan has played shorthanded quite a bit, so he's had, you know, he's had opportunities opportunities to step in mm-hmm. and, and step up. Uh, obviously, Devonte Jones being out last minute uh, because he was elbowed in the face in practice is uh, just the next in a series of you know, of players who have unexpectedly been out for Michigan, whether yeah. it's COVID. Whether it's you know the stomach ailment that Hunter Dickinson had, whether it was the suspensions uh, for for Terrence and Musa, mm-hmm. uh, this team has had to put players in uncomfortable situations all year, 
Uh, and as we have we as we've watched Frankie Collins, he is a player who I think has shown a lot this year. He plays very aggressively. He is always able to get to the rack. He's always able to get to the hoop. Uh, the one one of the big knocks on him number one is doesn't have much of a jumper. And no. number two is he always plays at one speed, and that speed is like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> so my big question coming into this game was, can you take Frankie Collins and slow him down to 70 so that he can go 30 minutes? Yeah. Because, you know, a player who plays, you know, guns a-blazing is great when he's coming off the bench. But when he's the starter and you need him to go 30 minutes, you need him to take that step back. And I think he struggled with that, you know. Michigan was literally throwing the ball away for those first 10, 15 minutes of the game. They had nine turnovers in the first half, and they just looked like a team without a point guard. They were completely lost on the mm-hmm. offensive side of the field, or offensive side of the court, excuse me. Uh, but then, as you mentioned, Frankie Collins has that quick 5-0 spurt where you know he gets an and-one bucket, he gets a steal on the next possession, runs that back for a dunk, and all of a sudden Michigan's climbing back into the game. And that continues into the second half. And Frankie Collins, he is the spark that gets Michigan back into the game and eventually into the second round. He made their first three, too, in the second half. I, I, I kind of forgot to mention that. I mean, <laughs> in addition, probably should go add that to my story real quick. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a game where you could – he almost looked like he got more comfortable as the game wore on. I, I, I He wasn't a huge – he wasn't the main person committing those turnovers – but you're right that in, in the sense of he wasn't the calming force that he needed to be early on in the game. He became that eventually. Uh, and you're, you're right that we've seen him in spurts. I mean, I actually think it kind of got overlooked because so much was made about Hunter Dickinson's game. But his zero-point performance against Michigan State was actually really impressive. 14 minutes, four rebounds, three assists, uh, two steals. And, and he was kind of on the court. Not, Devontae Jones had early foul trouble, and everyone's like, uh-oh. And he was Frankie was actually the one who kind of came in and and propelled that offense and and um, you know Michigan's offense did eventually come together. They only scored 13 points in the first 15 minutes, and they then they scored 62 points in the final 25 minutes. I mean that's a that's a really high clip. I know Colorado State's defense isn't anything crazy, but I, I think Michigan saw a really nice blend. I thought it was one of their more balanced offensive games of the year. It didn't seem like they were like leaning on one or two players. Uh, statistically, they might have been, but but you know, I thought Caleb Houston made a couple big shots. I thought Eli Brooks had a really nice second half. I believe he scored 12 points in the second half. And and then you you know, you saw Hunter Dickinson, obviously he got he got his a kind of a quiet 21. Like people weren't really talking about him as much after the game, but um, yeah, I thought Michigan found a really nice balance offensively. And then obviously the size. You know, we can talk about the the schematics and the the game plan and and who steps up. But at the end of the day, Michigan's just a lot taller than Colorado State. Colorado State, they have one big man who's 6'10". They have another forward type who's 6'8". Everyone else is 6'6 or shorter. Michigan has 7'1", Hunter Dickinson. 6'11", Musa Diabate. You know, uh, Caleb Houston's 6'8". Terrence Williams is 6'8". Brandon Johns is 6'7". So it's, uh, I think Terrence was probably 6'7". <laughs> I was being might, might have been a little generous there with that, but but you get the point where they've got a whole bunch of forwards and guys who can um, just win out of over the course of the game. Not early, I think early the ball was like bouncing in Colorado State's favor, but some of the rebounds, some of the uh, paint touches, 
I think Colorado State was 5 for 14 on layups. Michigan was 12 for 17. That pretty much negates the three-point differential. Colorado State was great from three. Uh, Michigan was not, but you know Michigan made up for it in the paint. It felt like so. You know what did you what did you make? I mean, is this is this a offensive um, coming together that maybe Michigan was just due for, or is this maybe a sign that the Wolverines have something going? Obviously, heading into to Saturday's matchup against a very good Tennessee defense. Zach, I think we've had this conversation for the past three weeks. It's like a typical podcast question, and right? <laughs> every single time, it's like, yeah, maybe they can finally put it together, but this is game 11 of a win-loss, win-loss, you know, ad nauseum. It's, yeah, <laughs> fair. So, who's to say? Uh, what, what I think is, is this was a very, very fascinating X's and O's matchup. Uh, you saw in the first half, well, you saw all game. Colorado State had no answer for Hunter Dickinson, right? He, yep. you know, seven foot one. That's the type of player that if you're Colorado State, yeah, what did he shoot? Eight for ten. He or shot something? eight for ten. Yeah. He made all of his free throws. You know, he had an and one bucket in the second half where he, you know, he made a hook shot through a double team through <laughs> contact. Uh, yeah, if you're Colorado State, Hunter Dickinson is not a player you are seeing day in day out in the Mountain West. Uh, that is a once a season sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and when that happens in the first round of the NCAA tournament, it's hard to have an answer for it. On the other hand, for Michigan, you saw how Hunter Dickinson's defense and who he is as in terms of his mobility was an issue for Michigan. He's in the slower. First half. You can say He's it. Slower. You don't say who you know? he is in terms he, of his mobility. Well, <laughs> But you're right. You're right. You you looked at you you look at Colorado State. What they were able to do in the first half is they were able to get Hunter Dickinson out to the perimeter, and they were able to pick and pop and shoot threes over him Mm -hmm. because he was unable to close out as quickly as you know a Musa Diabate or you know a shorter front court or smaller front court player, more athletic front court player would be able to do. So I thought that was a very fascinating matchup. Now, how is this going to translate? I have no idea because yeah. this game, this team has been so inconsistent all season. Even within this game, we saw Michigan go 0 for 7 or 0 for 9 from three-point range in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know they're a better shooting team than that. And when that finally, when those shots finally start to fall in the second half, whether it's Frankie Collins, whether it's Caleb Houston who made threes on back-to-back possessions, all of a sudden the offense looks a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah. So what are we going to get against Tennessee? Tennessee is an excellent defensive team. It's going to be a battle. They have the talent. Michigan has the talent. Michigan, all season long, has been able to create open shots. Whether they fall, that's anyone's guess. And I don't know. Phil Martelli doesn't know. Anytime we ask him, <laughs> he has no idea. Right. So I'm not going to pretend to have that answer. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that I think is something I'm keeping in mind um, I, I say moving forward, they could literally be done Saturday. But but regardless, heading into Saturday, the the part that stood out to me, Eli Brooks was one for four shooting in the first half. I think Caleb Houston was over in the first half, and was he? Uh, Caleb Houston two for five, zero for three, okay. from three point range. So yeah, he hadn't he- made a three. Uh, that's right. He did have a couple takes by the rim. Anyways. Not good first halves for them. I think they both had a couple turnovers. I, you know, there were there were just some some sloppy play, and then in the second half they both got a lot better. Caleb Houston made three threes. 
Uh, Eli Brooks, I believe, scored 12 points in the second half. And those are two players, in my opinion, and I don't know if the stats perfectly back this up, but it seems like when they're off, they're off for the whole game. You know, the, I think they both really, really thrive on confidence. I think they're both players who probably need to see that first shot go in early or it's just going to be a quiet game for them. Because I think both of them have a ton of double-digit scoring performances. Both of them have been leading scorers for Michigan this season. But then they've also had games where they scored less than five points. And Houston especially has had a number of them where he didn't. Eli, Eli, you know, he'll get a couple buckets, but he might not be as effective as he could be. So I think both of them stepping up, it wasn't their game. They're not the main takeaway from it. They weren't probably weren't, um, you know, two of the three or four best players on the court. But I thought that they both, having those second halves where they, they overcame the confidence, and, and you know, you could kind of see in how they were shooting too. There wasn't this hesitancy or, or nerves. They were like, no, this is going in. And to me, that's growth. Uh, you know, Eli, I don't know how much he has would tell you his game has grown in his fifth year, but you're seeing a more steadiness, and I think you're really seeing it in Caleb Houston. Because when he, when he scores, you know, 10-plus points, Michigan is so good. They're such a difficult team. You know, he's kind of got that Duncan Robinson ability where it's like, oh, well, if his shot's going in, the entire offense is humming because he can spread the floor. He's a matchup nightmare. I mean, a lot of the lineups Colorado State runs, their tallest player is shorter than Caleb Houston. So, yeah, I think I think that's maybe the one part where I'm like looking at that Tennessee matchup and thinking, okay, what can what can make Tennessee's defense go on its heels? And it's probably those two making their shots. Now, they don't have to make four threes, although that would really increase Michigan's odds of winning. But are they are they shooting with conviction? Are they making it enough shots that the defense really has to account for them as well as kind of the two-man game Michigan likes to run, whether it's Devontae Jones or Frankie Collins? So to me, that's maybe the one thing I'm keeping in mind. We're going to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about Michigan's defense, and we'll take a look at, the, at Tennessee and, and maybe – some some mental toughness that Michigan showed in this matchup. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. As we alluded to, uh, was not just an offensive 
turnaround, you know, in that final 25 minutes. There was a defensive one, too. Michigan gave up 28 points in the first 15 minutes of the game. And then in the second, or the, I guess not the second, the, the final 25 minutes of the game, uh, I believe, I don't know, 63 minus 28, 35. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's 35 points. But, but um, you know, this is a good Colorado State offense. You know, this is top 20 in Ken Palm suggested efficiency ratings. Uh, really good shooting team. I, I think I, I don't think I actually published this story, but I was writing about their shooting. They are the, in terms of true shooting percentage, they're the number four team Michigan has faced all year behind Purdue, Arizona. They might have been number three, actually. Um, anyway, they're top four in one, one way, shape, or form. They score at all levels. We saw their three-point shooting. You mentioned you alluded a little bit to like some of those pick and pop threes where you know they were Michigan's big men were struggling to get kind of off these ball screens and and, and actually get a, a genuine contest on some of these deep shots and and I will say the Rams made some shots where we were we were looking we're like they're like twenty six feet away from the basket like Michigan you can't reasonably ask Michigan to, to guard those but I also think the three point attempts in the second half were a big difference Colorado State attempted twenty one three pointers in the first half. Uh, much lower in the second. I want to say it was 11 or 12. And so what did you see defensively? Was this just intensity? I mean, you know, we, we haven't watched the, the the overhead court game film necessarily, but but any anything you noticed that Michigan did, whether it was adjustments or just execution, uh, that, that really helped the defensive numbers get better in the second stanza of the game? Well, in, in talking to Nico Medved, Colorado State's coach after the game what he said and I think anyone who watched the game will understand this is that Michigan imposed their will in the paint and I think when you hear that most people think of the offensive side of the court but it was really the defensive side too uh the second half I I made a reference to Hunter Dickinson not being as agile as you know as the most skilled players out there uh, he was a wall in the second half. Anytime, yeah. anytime Colorado State got the ball into the paint, he was just firm and unmoving and a presence that they had no answer for. You know, this is a team, Colorado State, one of the best two-point shooting teams in the country. One of the best, as you mentioned, in effective field goal percentage. Yeah, they went 5-for-14 on layups. Yeah, and they're top tw- yeah they're top twelve nationally in shots at the rim too. Yeah. Not just two point shooting, like literally at the rim, they make about seventy two percent of their shots. Yeah, I, I think this this game more than more than on the offensive side of the of the court for Michigan, where you kind of expected that Michigan would be able to to bully Colorado State a little bit with their size, with Hunter Dickinson, with the fact that they, you know, when those shots are falling, they can spread the court a little a little bit more. You know, Colorado State runs. Runs an excellent offense, one that was inspired by John Beeline, mm-hmm. one that you know has elements of well, Johnny of, Orr, Princeton action, yeah, of Princeton yeah. action, a five out, and you've seen Michigan really struggle against that type of offense throughout this season. You know, when Indiana went to a smaller lineup against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament, that's when Michigan really fell apart. They had no answer for it because Hunter Dickinson is sometimes a liability against that and Michigan, you know, the, the defensive struggles have been strongly noted throughout the season. Mm -hmm. I think when we're talking about Caleb Houston and his improvements on the offensive side of the ball, 
he has also improved a lot as a defender. Uh, I, I think you see him not losing his matchup as much. He is a lot better on the ball. He doesn't foul as much as he used to, and he puts himself in good position. And I've really seen a growth from him throughout the year. I also think that Frankie Collins, Frankie Collins is a bulldog on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. He is a nuisance with his hair flying back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's an, an added distraction there for opponents, but he is he is as aggressive an on-ball defender as Michigan has. And he's at, quick enough to get away with that. He's too. quick enough to get away with it. He's got yeah. fast hands, and, and, and yeah, he can he can recover uh, if he if he overcommits. And I think all of that kind of came together. You know, Colorado State probably shot better uh, than than they should have early on. Mm-hmm. They made a lot of shots, and when those didn't fall anymore, they just had they had no answer because they couldn't go inside over. Musa over Hunter, and when those buzzer beater shots aren't falling, their offense fell apart. Yeah, they also did miss some gimmies. They did. You know, it's okay to say, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. It's it's okay to say Michigan got lucky. Yeah. You know, with some of the some of the layups that they were missing, some of the, um, yeah, what I would call gimmies. Maybe if I'm in that situation, I'm not making them either. But but you know, in terms, hey, there's of, a reason we're podcasting yeah. and we're not on the court right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. No. In ter- yeah, just. Um, five for 14 is exceptionally bad. I mean, if you hold up, you, a, a, you probably want to aim to hold your opponent to about 50% on, on dunks and layups. And, and so for Michigan to be, I think it was six for 16, if you count the one dunk, I mean, that's, that's exceptional. Uh, I think Michigan really helped. I think, I think even they had four blocks. I also think that they, um, you know, just contested a lot of shots. They had their hands up. You know, I saw Saudi Washington, the entire second half, every time Michigan was coming back on defense, you know, he's like doing this with his hands and partly to like bring the energy up, but also to remind them just to keep their hands up on defense. So I thought, I thought there was a higher commitment level on defense. And I think um, that's all you can ask for. I mean, this team is not going to be a top 10 defense. They're not going to, you know, they're just not built that way. Not, not this year. I mean, they're too young. Um, You know, they, they have deficiencies at certain positions. Um, a lot of them are experience related. You know, thinking about a Caleb Houston uh, or a, or a Musa Diabate, who I think is very good defensively, but his ceiling is extremely high on defense. And so, you know, they're not going to be one of those defenses. You just need you just if you're Michigan, you're just asking for as much commitment as you can get. And I think they really showed it. I thought they defended. You know, I, the the proverbial they're not ready to go home yet. You know, the cliche that that the NCAA tournament announcers always kind of lean on or use it. You saw a lot of those kind of plays from Eli Brooks. Saw, saw a bunch of them from, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson as well. And so, yeah, I thought thought that that was really where, in terms of where Michigan really impressed, I think holding Colorado State to 63 points, I believe it was around 0.7 points per possession in the second half. I believe it was 27 points on 37 possessions, actually. You know, that's, that's a little bit more impressive than dropping 75 points on a mid-major team with a so-so defense. Anyways, the natural train of thought, no matter whether Michigan wins or loses, is, is it's what's next. They play Tennessee. I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I have Tennessee in my final four uh, for, for my bracket, you know, that, that I fill out like most people that are listening do. I think Tennessee's really good. And, and they're not just really good. They're, they're really good and they're peaking. They have won 
believe, 13 of their last 15 games. They've beaten Kentucky twice in that stretch. They beat Arkansas. They beat Auburn. They won the SEC title game. They won the SEC tournament and trailed for 68 seconds throughout the whole tournament. Wow. Boy, pat myself on the back. (laughs) Well, maybe. I guess we'll see. Obviously, the NCAA tournament, anything can happen. Alejandro, you just published a story, some of the, the key things to know about Tennessee. I will let you take the lead here. What what should the listeners know about Tennessee? I think you said it all, which is Tennessee is very good. <laughs> it, Michigan, if we take a step back and, and look at Michigan's NCAA tournament path, I think Michigan got as good of a first-round game as they possibly could have asked for. Closest location. Closest location. Experience in the arena. Against the worst succeed mm-hmm. by the metrics and playing the early game for a team coming from you know from the the west coast that's about as good of a matchup as you could possibly ask for when you then look at tennessee i think you kind of have to flip that because tennessee if you look at any of the metrics tennessee was underseeded tennessee should absolutely have been a 2 seed and they are by far the strongest three seed. They would have probably been one of the stronger two seeds. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that they, they've lost two games since February 1st. <laughs> they are absolutely on fire. And I don't know how we, – we sat at Cambridge Fieldhouse. We watched them take on Longwood uh, in, in the second game of the first session after, after Michigan. And I'm not quite sure how much you can gather from a game like that. Longwood was – incredibly overmatched yeah uh but i mean they were have you ever heard we, we overheard the press conference i mean they, it, you know the, the teams are always like we're happy to be here but you know we're, we're trying to do more they they basically sounded like now nah, we're good yeah. <laughs> like this is this was as far as this team was gonna go like yep. like they got beat so bad that they didn't even like feign yeah you know disappointment or frustration yeah, the, like, the, the no. longwood <laughs> players the longwood players were talking about how cool it was to see fans sitting up on the second level of you know of the field house you know it's you didn't expect much of a challenge there for Tennessee and they did not get one uh Tennessee is going to present some very interesting challenges for Michigan uh because Tennessee's as you mentioned Zach Tennessee's one of the the best defensive teams in the country uh, I believe they're number 2 in adjusted defensive efficiency per Ken Palm mm-hmm. uh they have Two very fast guards uh, who are both on the the leaderboard in college basketball for steals. Uh, they have a Uruguayan. Well, I'll say it the right way: an Uruguayan <laughs> a sharpshooter whose name That's I'm why you're blanking on, the on right now. That's yeah. why I'm on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, you, you say that, but you didn't don't remember know his, his name? name? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but he's from Uruguay. He, uh, you know, he was on their uh, their Olympic tryout team. He's he's very very good. Um, we're, we're pulling up his, his name right now. We'll see if I can pronounce it. There he is. Uh, Santiago Vescovi. Or Vescovi. I don't know if there's an accent mark there. It sounds like there we'll should be. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow. Uh, but Tennessee, it, they have had some infuriating games. I'm sure if you're a Vols fan, in their losses, they're scoring like... They, they had a game that went to overtime. I think it was Texas Tech where they scored 52 points. And that was in an overtime game. Uh, they had a lot of maddening offensive performances mm-hmm. early in the season. And, you know, there was a lot of talk of, like, what is the ceiling for 
for Tennessee if if it can't put together if it can't put together a solid offensive game. That has really changed in the last couple of months. Uh, as you mentioned, they have lost two games since February first. Uh, won the SEC tournament, uh, absolutely on fire. Um, they continue, you know, defense travels. So do their fans, by the way. Yeah, uh, I think they'll have more fans in Michigan. Well. I think they'll have more yeah. fans in Michigan. The only saving grace is if Kentucky fans who bought the all-session pass, like to go to every game, decide that they want to root against Tennessee. Yeah, they have two freshman guards. Uh, one of them, five-star. Uh, the other uh, has really picked up his game lately. Uh, again, don't have rosters in front of me, so I'm sorry I'm blanking on names. Well, Kennedy Chandler, Kennedy uh, Chandler he's, a, he's a guy Michigan recruiting fans yep. will remember. Um, it, it, but they're both picking up their game. Like the, this is a team that has a very high ceiling because of those two freshman guards, and then you add in a three-point sharpshooter who can. Uh, he is, according uh, according to their coaching staff, he is one of the fittest players they've ever had. Hmm. He can deliver daggers and he can drain threes like it's nobody's business. Hmm. Uh, so, so that's where you have a team. Uh, the Vols are absolutely hitting their stride. Yeah, it's a Kai Ziegler. Uh, one of the freshman guards, and then Kennedy Chandler. Of and course, they, they've star. got a lot of three-point guys. Uh, you know, Santiago's got ninety-five made threes. He no, he uh, as of today, he is one of two Vols ever to make a hundred three-pointers in a season. Wow! So they've got some shooting. They're yeah. hitting their stride at the right time. It's going to be a really tough matchup for Michigan, and you know you can see Frankie Collins putting together a solid game against Colorado State. Uh, I don't know if if you saw that first half that Michigan had with nine turnovers, they were able to claw their way back into it. I don't know that they can have that sort of performance again yeah. against Tennessee and expect to have any sort of a fighter's chance. Yeah, they it, need to play their best game. We can we can talk about the the mental toughness narrative. I, I and I think Michigan showed it. I mean, you know, I think that's not nothing that they were down fifteen and and they came back. But if you turn the ball over nine times in the first half against Tennessee, your season's over. You know, they're, they're a team that, uh, kind of like Michigan, I mean, if you give Michigan enough gifts, they're going to take them. And, and uh, I mean, you know, Michigan was kind of lucky they were playing the right team to have a bad first half against in Colorado State, both in, in talent, matchup, but then also, yeah, as, as you mentioned, the location and the, the setting. Yeah, you won't get away with that against Tennessee. Really, I, I mean, this is going to be – one of the the I guess it would be one of the bigger upsets of the NCAA tournament. I think if Michigan pulled this off, even if the seed isn't isn't quite as as drastic, eleven versus three. I mean that that's happened before. Uh, but yeah, the way Tennessee has looked and and how waffly Michigan has looked, and and they've had great moments. Their wins have looked great, but then they, they follow literally all of them with a loss. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and yeah, I, I just don't think it can be a mental toughness game. I think it has to be like that Purdue game where they made everything, or it has to be like the Michigan State win or the Indiana win where um, you know, they just they just look like they're on a different level that day. I think, I think that's probably what it is going to take. But they play the games for a reason. So we'll be on site for coverage. We'll, we'll have lots of stories tomorrow, uh, getting to talk to both Tennessee and Michigan's coaching staff and players for a little while. And then obviously game day, there'll be lots of coverage as well over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Either way, we'll have a podcast after the game as well. You can listen to it 
Well, wherever you're listening to this one, you can probably listen to the other one. For Alejandro Zuniga, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.